The scripture reading for today comes from the book of Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank, that I, I thank thee that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his, lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I tell you, this man went down to his house, justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be, exalt, will be exalted. The word of the Lord. something so it doesn't just stay in your head, but like permeates your way of being, or at least stays in your head, instead of constantly being crowded out by pressing trivialities. How do you learn? Learn seems like an inadequate word for it. How does truth saturate your being? like rearrange or recreate neural pathways or your heart or whatever you want to call it so that you begin to act and think and feel differently? Or does that never, ever, really ever happen? The story says that the tax man went home justified, made righteous. Well, did he get to realize that or enjoy it somehow? Could his wife tell? How does it feel to be made righteous? Does something click or open or what? I've read a lot of theology, which has often made a lot of sense to me, where justification is sort of like God makes a pronouncement, pronounces you righteous. It's like life's a courtroom and, and you're guilty. But the judge, being merciful and loving, pronounces you righteous, lets you off the hook, and you're free to go. Which isn't a bad metaphor, I guess, but it seems a little bit limited. I mean, courtrooms, tables, papers, briefcases, verdicts, defendants, benches, gavels. It seems too orderly or something. If you're thinking about birds and births and starving and African warlords and catastrophic, catastrophic environmental disaster, we don't just need to be pronounced something, really. We need something with weight or breath or something tactile. We need to be remade. I mean, if it was all somehow about the disposition of your disembodied soul after death, then a pronouncement might be fine. But what if it's all about living? I think everybody knows this parable. Luke makes it a kind of a lesson. 
He says Jesus told it to people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. These people who do this, think they're good and other people are bad, aren't justified, made righteous, Luke seems to imply. Or anyway, the truly good, righteous Pharisee who's just doing everything he's actually supposed to do because he is who he is in a certain position, doing a good job, praying exactly actually how the Talmud says he should, is not justified. But the sinner beating at his breast who calls out for mercy is. Really, Luke's lesson is pretty familiar. You shouldn't go around thinking that you're better than people. You shouldn't despise people. It's a lesson that's embedded in our culture at some sort of surface level. Everybody knows it's not good to think you're good and despise other people. But the lesson doesn't really go very deep. It's like good manners or some sort of exterior pretense. You try to be all judicious up front. This is democracy after all. All men are created equal. But at the same time, there's something else embedded in our culture that seems to penetrate far more deeply and thickly. This is a capitalist society after all. It's survival of the fittest. You must compete to succeed. You must. That's how you get anywhere by being better than other people. That's how the system works. Competition. Whatever the polite surface, this is really what runs through our veins. The Pharisee may seem like a practically comic exaggeration. Thank God I'm not like other men. But really, that's sort of the basis on which species survive. That's the way you get to pass on your genes. And in the United States of America, it's how you succeed. It doesn't have to be mean. It's just like the way you know who you are, or what to be grateful for, or how you're fortunate. Of course we all know that we should be humble. But it seems like it's almost necessary for us to operate on some other basis if we're to survive. Really. It's how almost everyone I know negotiates the world. It's very possible that I'm bad and I only know bad people. I've considered this. <laughs> and there are people who don't exalt themselves and despise others. Greek Orthodox monks on Mount Athos or the Dalai Lama. But most people, I think it's fair to say, are a little stuck in this way of operating, stuck with this mechanism. Sometimes it's fun to exalt yourself and despise others. Watch YouTube videos of George Bush saying really stupid things. And sometimes it's not enjoyable. It's a project that takes up a lot of time and space. It can be exhausting exalting yourself. And why doesn't everybody just agree to quit doing it? I don't really know if we're capable. My family, we live in a, near a very small, economically challenged, socially stunted town in rural Minnesota. See, I'm doing it even as I'm talking about not doing it. There are like three beauty shops in the town, and they still call them beauty shops. 
And the daughter of the town's most popular hairdresser is in my daughter's class. She's very pretty and she's very put together. And all the girls want to be her friends, and she seems to have a lot of power in the world of Malacca Public School, sixth grade. And she's mean. And sometimes Olivia will come home completely undone by this mean girl being mean to her. And the first thing that comes to my mind and lips when she walks in the house crying is, Olivia, sweetie, don't feel bad. She's just stupid. <laughs> you're more interesting and you're smarter and you're more beautiful. You're better than her. I'm not saying I say it, I'm just saying I feel like it, and it seems like it's more immediately helpful than going into some lengthy James Allen, Jesus made us free from every com competing with anything ever thing. Thank God you're not like those other girls, sweetie. A lot of them will probably never leave the state of Minnesota. They're going to spend a lot of time doing their nails. They're going to marry hunters and buy three-wheelers and celebrate their anniversaries at Pizza Hut. <laughs> and it's very, very hard to resist saying that. Because it seems true. And like Olivia needs to know it to get through adolescence in Malacca, it's so not what I think I believe, but it's so often at the tip of my tongue. How do you learn who you are, get self-esteem, without comparing yourself favorably to others? I mean, in our culture, it's practically a rite of passage into adulthood to think you're better than them, the previous generation. Maybe this isn't the same in Nepal, but in our non-ancestral worshiping, deeply market-driven reality, the hope is in the next thing. Your parents and their people are uninformed and aren't part of this vibrant, changing, texting world. Mostly they're just so old. It's an effortless exaltation to accomplish, really. You're better than them just by virtue of not having lived as many years. You can see how it has a limited shelf life. But still, it works really well for a couple decades. How do you really stop using this mechanism for anything that works so well? It worked for the Romans and the Catholics and Martin Luther and the Baptists, and it works really well for the Tea Party and the writers of the nation. There are bad people out there. And thank God we're not like them. I mean, really. You might not get down on your knees or stand up in church and say it quite that way, but prayer isn't just what we do in between dear God and amen. It's not like it's just the thoughts that you send up to heaven. It's your consciousness in God's presence. I drive this stretch of 169 like four times a week at least. And every time I pass this billboard for Fat Jacks, it's called Fat Jacks. It's a strip club in a little town about three miles from our farm. And the billboard says, totally nude female strippers and booze, what more can I say? I've seen it like 20,000 times and it never fails to cause a reaction in me. A very ungracious consciousness before God. 
What more can you say? You're kidding. I'm sorry that's all you have to say because it's so incredibly stupid and limited and there's so much more to say, dumb E. And I think of fat boozers sitting on bar stools watching somebody's naked daughter and I despise them quite a bit, quite regularly. So I don't really know what turns this around. I mean, I think maybe I do, but I don't know if it's working on me. I'm not even sure if I want it to, if you know what I mean. How do you even have morality or justice without this mechanism? How do we make progress or social change without this spirit? Jesus' last line in the parable is, I tell you this, everyone who exalts, exalts himself will be humbled. But he who humbles himself will be exalted. So in a way, that could be a relief. If I'm exalting myself, I'll be humbled, and it doesn't sound like I have to do it. It sounds like it will be done to me, in which case I'll be humbled, which is good, but then the humbled will be exalted, and they'll be exalted, so they have to be humbled again. I mean, is that a relief? Is that hope? Because it just sort of sounds like a perpetual motion machine, like mechanical. What goes up must come down, like sort of a law of physics or something, which might be hopeful, but somehow it doesn't exactly seem like it. The revolutionaries will overthrow the power, and they'll gain power, and then they'll become like the powerful, always are, corrupt and self-serving, and so they'll have to be overthrown, and just has to keep flipping over and over again, or someone might do something beautiful or created, but if anyone notices, it'll be co-opted by capitalism, and then they'll have to fall. You know, I mean, hopeful isn't quite the word for it. How does something more beautiful and true sink in thoroughly, and how do you become free to never have to depend on this efficient but sick system for security or self-esteem or your children's self-esteem or dignity or social change or morality or humor for life? How do you receive the kingdom of God how is it that you have life with God or in God? Life. The tax collector, sinner, collaborator with the empire who takes his own poor people's money, often aggressively by force, to give to the most powerful empire in the world, seems to be viscerally moved in this story. The Roman collaborator, empire feeder, doesn't lift up his eyes to heaven. He beats his breast, the story says. It sounds like he's feeling something a lot, something painful. It doesn't sound mechanical, more like gut-wrenching, gut-wrenching, <laughs> gut-wrenching. It sounds like he needs the love of God, the mercy and I wonder if maybe we're all more desperate than we can safely show, or than we usually let on. We need something to make us feel secure and not afraid. We need someone to think we're good. We need love, actually, a lot, desperately. And that's why we behave in this unceasingly grabby sort of way, exalting ourselves, even at the expense of others, because we need love. And really, 
This is the way we know how to get it. But really, it's so futile and destructive. It's a slick mechanism that shoots out vacant, hollow, artificial satisfaction. It readily shoots out a cheap sense of belonging to this or that, or against them or those. But it's a mechanism that messes you up and messes up the people you're looking at and evaluating. It messes up the world. Maybe the Pharisee is desperate too, but somehow the mechanism is still working for him. And the mechanism quit working for the tax collector empire feeder. The world needs the mechanism to fail. We need some way to feel love and good and secure that doesn't involve cutting other people out. What's it like if everyone's invited to a party? The after party is better, according to our culture, you know, because it's an honor to go. It means you're in. To say something is very exclusive is so often a very high praise. It seems very good. But all along, Jesus has been trying to tell the story of a party where everyone's invited. And he's trying to say that this is better, way better, and way more beautiful. But it sure is different. But it sure is different from what we're used to being good. Because Sarah Palin and Fat Jack are invited too. Extortioners, the unjust, adulterers, how is that desirable without pretending? Maybe because at God's party you start drinking God's good wine and it's potent and it's delicious and so then you have another glass and pretty soon your old judgment is impaired. <laughs> and so is everyone's. People are drunk on love and they begin to act and think and see and feel differently. Imagine Sarah Palin drunk on love. Maybe it's not a very good metaphor. But how do we learn who we are without comparing ourselves favorably with, uh, to others? We get it from knowing God's love, which may sound like two common little words, but which is so big and so beautiful and so for everyone. I read this article about these birds that people are trapping in Cyprus, these nets that are covered in glue. And freeing them from these nets is very time-consuming. And you have to do it very gently. I don't know about saying the Jesus Prayer 7,000 times a day. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. It might work. It has worked for a lot of people as a constant reminder of an alternative narrative to what the mechanism is feeding you. I don't know, but I believe that God is working on us. God is getting us unstuck, setting us free from some very intense glue. Not so much by force, though, by love. And it takes a while, maybe, to do it this way. Rebirthing the world, recreating humanity in love, it's slow going, and it can be messy, and there's a broken body, and there's blood. <laughs>